Welcome to the Vanguard Bible Church podcast. For more information about Vanguard Bible Church, visit www.vanguardbible.org or come worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. at Freedom Middle School in Northwest Bakersfield. We hope you enjoy today's message. Um, usually, no, not usually. I never use slides when I speak, but today you're going to get a slide dump, okay? Um, I never use slides, but today it seemed that it was an important piece of a proper presentation. Uh, we're going to have a flyby of the book of Proverbs. And the title is, Any Christian Can Be Wise. Now, I want to dissuade you if you're thinking that wisdom, as our culture thinks, is some kind of a erudite intelligence and ability that only a select few elite people in our culture are able to speak with wisdom. Actually, 1 Corinthians 1, don't turn there, but you might want to turn there when you have a moment um, and see what the Lord thinks about the world's wisdom. He thinks it's foolishness, and what He thinks is true. Whatever He says is right and good, and He says it's foolishness, well, it's foolishness. Whether the world recognizes it as foolishness or foolishness or not, it is foolishness. And maybe you think, well, I'm not that smart. I can't be wise. No, that's not true. You don't have to be smart to be wise. What you have to do is follow God's ways and pursue Him, and He can make you a wise man or a wise woman or a wise young man or a wise young woman. It doesn't matter. If you pursue Him, you can be a wise Christian, a wise person, regardless of what the world thinks. And by the way, the world thinks our wisdom is stupid, and that's okay. That's okay. Before we jump into this, let's pray. Father, we are to be different from the world. We are to be men and women who pursue you and pursue your mind. We are to put on the mind of Christ. And it's good to be different from what the world says. It actually pleases you because you make the wise into foolishness. And you don't care what people think. What you care is about your people, your sons, your daughters, and whether or not they are pursuing your ways and your wisdom. Lord, I pray that as we quickly ponder and consider uh, several of the sections of Proverbs, that you would bless our time together, that you would impress upon our hearts and minds what you want us to know from this precious book, and we would walk away and come away from our worship time today better wiser, more able to follow after you because we understand more about what it means to be your child. We ask this in Jesus' great name, amen. So biblical wisdom is simply this, it's skill for living. Whether it's financial or dealing with members of the opposite sex or dealing with uh, people of your own sex or um, dealing with any kind of number of problems that this life offers, even the joys of this life and what it offers and how to think about yourself and how to think about other people, how to put on the mind of Christ. Biblical wisdom is simply skill for living so that you know what to do and how to do it. So any Christian can be a wise person. This type is so small on this iPad, I can hardly read it. Forgive me. Um, Ah, so Proverbs 8, 6, and 9. By the way, my preferred pronouns today are he and him. And I hope you're not offended because it references he and him, but that's what the Bible says. I'm going to stick with it. And you can insert in your own mind she and her if you'd like. But by the way, in Proverbs 8, the the, uh, wisdom that the Lord refers to is personified as a woman. 
for whatever that's worth to you. Wisdom is personified as a woman which gives women high regard in God's mind, just so you're aware. And this is uh, the woman personified as wisdom here. And she says this, Here, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. All the words of my mouth are righteous. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. That's Proverbs 8, 6 through 9. Notice a few things. Some things are right, implying that some things are wrong. Some things are true, and some things are false. Regardless of our post-modern culture, which says there is no absolute truth, there is absolute truth. There are some things that are right and some things that are wrong. The words of the wisdom of wisdom's mouth are righteous. They are good. They're straight. Who are they straight to? Who are they right to? Well, they're straight to him who understands, and they are right to those who find knowledge. Some people find them foolish, and that's okay. Don't be intimidated by those who find them foolish. It doesn't matter what they think. What matters is what the Lord thinks. So, how can I get skill for living? Well, it begins with the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. You may have noticed that I use the term filial fear in our prayer time, in our confession, and our assurance of forgiveness. Filial fear is rooted in relationship with the Lord as your father. Uh, there's a, a sense of awe at him because he loves you despite who you are. He loves me despite who I am. I am his son, and you are his son or his daughter if you are in Christ. There's a filial fear that's different from a a dreaded fear that you may have as a lingering state of your condition in relationship with him even after you come to Christ. The scriptures would urge us to lose that and gain a filial fear that drives you to love and adore him and do whatever he wants of you to do. It's a filial fear. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools, on the other hand, despise wisdom and instruction. They hate it. So how can I get it? How can I get skill for living? Well, learn the ways of fools. Don't be like them. You want to learn what they're like, as, as the Lord describes, describes it. Learn the ways of the wise, those who have skill for living. Look at them and learn from them. Uh, act upon your knowledge through your relationship with him and in him. Not in your own strength, but as you nurture your relationship in him and with him, you'll have the strength to act upon your knowledge of the scriptures. You know that Solomon, if, if you uh, uh, read in First Kings, Solomon was known as the wisest man on the earth, right? Remember the account of uh, the Queen of Sheba who, who encountered Solomon and she was so impressed by his wisdom and uh, uh, she was amazed. Well, you'll read later on, and this might confuse you, Solomon really became a fool, if you read 1 Kings further, you'll see how Solomon made some really bad decisions, some very foolish decisions. Uh, don't be confused because wisdom is not godliness. You can really know what God wants and then decide, you know, I'm not going to do that. I know what he wants, but I'm going to go here. I don't really care what, he, what you want, Lord. I'm going to go here and do this. That was Solomon's problem. Wisdom is not the same as godliness. It's different. Learn the ways of fools, learn the ways, how they walk, how they talk, and the ways of the wise. Contrast the two. Act upon your knowledge, not through your own strength, but through your relationship in him. So, principles and promises. Proverbs is filled with principles, not promises. There is a difference. A principle is generally true in the Lord's economy. 
It's not a promise of 100% certainty that things will go a certain way, but it's generally true. Uh, Proverbs is filled with little snippets and sentences that go from here to there all over the board of life. Unlike Ecclesiastes, which has a little longer accounts of things, Proverbs is filled with little snippets of truth of what we need to know. A promise is absolutely guaranteed in the Lord's economy. It's a promise. So remember, Proverbs is filled with principles of life, not 100% promises. And we'll walk through and make sure we get this piece. Here are principles. Those who do right are saved from trouble, but trouble comes to those who do wrong. That's Proverbs 11.8. Well, you might say, well, I know uh, I've done right, and I, I get trouble. Well, sure you do. Obviously, that's also what God promised. We're going to have tribulation in this life. The principle is that if you learn the ways of God, you're going to avoid unnecessary trouble that God doesn't want you to be in. Some troubles are necessary to grow you, to sanctify you, to make you more like Jesus, to make you more useful to him. That's a principle, Proverbs 11:8 from the Scripture. Another one, Proverbs 14, 20. The poor is disliked even by his neighbor, but the rich has many friends. Now, that's precious, isn't it? <laughs> the rich has many friends, not because they like him, but they like his money. Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's Proverbs 22.6. Again, I know men and women who are faithful servants of Christ, and they had children, raised them up in the church, and then when they went away to college, no, I don't think I want that anymore. They trained up that child in the way he should go or she should go, and when he is old, he did depart from it. It's a principle. It's not a promise. We each make a choice. Each person makes a choice. Young people, you'll make a choice after you're outside your mom and dad's care you'll make a choice of how you're going to live, either in wisdom or in foolishness, or maybe a mishmash of both. Those are principles. How about distinction from promises? Just to make sure we get this, a promise is guaranteed in the Lord's economy. By the way, I've capitalized Lord there because that's the personal name of God as referenced in the Scripture. Lord is Yahweh in the Hebrew. It's his personal name. Whatever your name is, whatever your first name is, Yahweh is the personal name of God. And when you see in the scriptures the capital L and the capital O-R-D, all caps, that's his personal name. Guaranteed, never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. That's a promise, Genesis 9-11. God will never again destroy the earth by flood, and that's his promise. You can be resting in that promise as certain. He will never again do that. John 14-6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That's a promise. You cannot get to the Father except through Jesus as Savior and Lord. No one else is sufficient. There is no other provision. You can't get it by being good. You're not good enough. Only Jesus is good enough. Acts 1.11. This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Those are words to, from the angels to the apostles um, when, when Jesus uh, uh, ascended into heaven. And the promise is he'll come back in the same way you saw him go. He's going to descend from the skies. That's a promise. We can, we can take that, as they say, to the bank. It is certain. No doubt, no question. I don't care what people say. It's okay. They're wrong. They're wrong. I don't know when he's coming back, but he is. And we're going to look forward to that day. Okay. Let's test this. Principle or promise? You can shout out your answer. Is this a principle or a promise? If you buy lottery tickets, you're not going to make money. You're going to lose money. Principle or promise? Principle. 
Because most often, you're not going uh, to make money. You're going to lose money. There are some freakish instances where people win millions of dollars, but for the most part, you lose money. And uh, not often do we hear about people losing all, all kinds of money. We hear about the people who win big, but that's a freak occurrence. That doesn't happen very often. That's a principle. Oops, yep, there it is, principle. Okay, here's another one. You can't win if you don't play. Principle or promise? Hmm? It's a promise. It's true. You can't win if you don't play. You, you won't. You can't win if you don't play. That's a promise. How about this one? You won't win if you do play. Principle or promise? Principle. You probably won't win if you do play. You get it? You get it? Those are silly little simple statements, but that's the point that we're trying to make. So there's wise advice. We've got two sections. Wise advice from the book of Proverbs. Here's one. Don't link yourself with a foolish person, also known as a faithless person, a person who ignores the Lord, a person who does not know him, or a person who despises his ways. Do not link yourself to that person. And linking means that if that person fails, and he will, you're going to go down with him. If at all you can avoid linking your life with a fool, do that. Do not link your life to a foolish person. And we all go through seasons of, of uh, loss and sometimes because of our own foolishness, but God forgives and he brings us back. But if you know, if you know a person is has a propensity for foolishness or a person who despises the Lord's ways, ignores him, and doesn't care about what he thinks, do not link yourself to them. You can be friends with that person, but don't invest money with that person. Don't in, uh, engage in a long-term relationship that will cause you pain when and if that person becomes, uh, uh, eats the fruit of his own foolishness. Wise advice one. We've got two sections. Wise advice from Proverbs. We're going to go through the character of the fool contrasting with the character of the wise. Um, here's one. Proverbs 10, 26. And we could have gone in any number of directions. The 31 chapters of Proverbs is filled with all kinds of things to talk about. I've just picked a select few. Here's the character of a fool. This is what he's like. Like vinegar to teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him, Proverbs 10, 26. A sluggard is simply a fancy word for a lazy person. A lazy person. A lazy person is unreliable. You ever sit around a campfire and the person who's sitting at the, around the campfire who gets the smoke in his eyes because of the wind direction, it burns the eyes. You know what that's like. That's what it's like to rely on a person who's lazy, who does not do what he says he's going to do or fails in such a fashion that it hurts you. He will fail you. He's unreliable. In time, eventually, he will show himself for his character. Another character of a fool. He is scary, dangerous. Let a man meet a she-bear robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. Proverbs 17, 12. This makes me laugh because there's hardly anything more dangerous than a mama bear who's separated from her cubs. If you like to camp or hike, you'll read if you're in bear territory. Do not at all costs, do not get between a mother and her cubs. I've seen this actually in human beings too. Mothers don't mess with her babies. Don't mess with her children. She'll get upset, and rightly so. Better to meet that, though, than a fool in the midst of his folly, Proverbs 17, 12. A fool is scary, dangerous. Here's another character of a fool. He's unreliable. Don't trust that person. Trusting in a treacherous man in a time of trouble is like a bad tooth or a foot that slips, Proverbs 25, 19. If you've ever had a bad tooth or a foot that hurts, 
out of joint or otherwise bruised up. It, it doesn't work properly. You, you know how painful that is and how difficult it is to do the ordinary things of life, like a bad tooth prevents you from eating food in a normal way, or a, a bad foot that slips is one that doesn't allow you to walk in a normal way. It, it hurts. It's unreliable. Don't trust in a treacherous person, one who's demonstrated that he doesn't care or she doesn't care about God's ways. That person is unreliable. Do not put your trust in that person. You can save yourself a lot of pain by following these principles from the book of Proverbs. Here's another one. Proverbs 29, 25, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in Yahweh, whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. His relationships are twisted and dangerous because he fears people and he does not fear the Lord. He fears people. So you can't trust him. He's twisted. He's dangerous. He'll say one thing to you and then something to somebody else and eventually you'll find out that this person is not to be trusted. He's more interested in saving himself and preserving his spot than he is about making a difference and living for Christ, living for the Lord. He fears people. He doesn't fear the Lord so much. That's character of a fool. How about relationships? What's it like to be in a relationship with a fool? Or what is it like to watch the relationships of a fool? Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. He hangs around other fools, so he gets hurt. When my, uh, when my sons were young, particularly when they were in high school, I didn't, my daughters weren't like this, but my boys worried me sometimes. Um, when they'd go out when they were 15, 16, you know, they're kind of, getting a little more on their own. I used to ask them who they're going to hang around with. And sometimes I didn't know who they were hanging around with. I didn't recognize the names. But I uh, had a couple of things to remind them of. And I didn't do this every time they went out because that would be very annoying to them and, and uh, not, not helpful because they would just ignore, ignore me if I did that. But I used to say to them, uh, okay, remember who you are? What's your name? And they'd tell me their, their name. And I'd say, remember who you are. You carry this family's reputation when you go out. Just remember that, son. And as I faced off with my son, I would say, okay, now, you know what this means? You look at life, look at what they're asking you to do, look at what they're suggesting that you do, and look at it through the grid of the Scriptures. You don't have to do this with your friends, but look at the grid of the Scriptures. Think about the grid of the Scriptures to see if it's foolish or if it's wise, if it's going to hurt you or cause others pain. Don't walk with foolish people. Don't walk with people that are going to cause pain to others or yourself. Remember who you are and be careful who, with whom you walk because you will become like that person. And that's why any good parent wants their daughter or their son to walk with people who love the Lord and who know him. Not that they won't do wrong things, but the principle holds. You want that kind of influence in life. He hangs around other fools so he gets hurt. Whoever meddles in a quarrel not his own is one who takes a passing dog by the ears, Proverbs 26, 17. He is relationally stupid. That's not nice to say. Well, it's true. If it, look, at the, look at the picture here. Here's a dog just walking on the way. He's just walking along, and some fool just goes ahead and grabs the dog by the ears. It doesn't matter if it's a big dog or a little dog. That dog's going to be mad, and, he's gonna, and then he's going to start snarling, and, and you know, you're going to have a world of hurt. What do you do with a dog when you've grabbed him by the ears? Let go. What are you going to do? You're going to let go eventually. Something's going to happen. You can't hold him forever. But you, what you've done is you're going to get bit. Almost certainly you're going to get bit. You meddle in a quarrel not your own. It's like grabbing a dog by the ears and then wondering, how am I going to escape this situation? You won't escape. 
Now, that's not to say that there's nothing you should ever get involved in. There are some things that should be your business involving the church or involving um, a family, whatever, friendships and so on. But there are some things that are just none of your business. Don't be relationally stupid. Be wise, shrewd as a serpent, innocent as a dove. Don't go ahead and meddle in quarrels that aren't your own and with fools. Here's another thing, relationships of fools. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Proverbs 29, 11. The, the foolish person lacks self-awareness. He just spills his guts all the time. Just whatever's in his mind, he spits it out. Foolish, wise, doesn't matter. He will just spill his guts, and he'll say whatever comes to his mind without thinking about the ramifications, the costs, the feelings of the person he's talking to. He gives full vent to his spirit. A wise person quietly holds it back and judiciously, judiciously releases what he needs to say to that other person. He, he lacks self-awareness. Be careful with people with no self-awareness. That's a foolish tendency. Another relationship dynamic of a foolish person. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Proverbs 9, 7. A foolish person laughs at wisdom. He doesn't care. And he will hurt you. There's another proverb that I'm just thinking of right now. Uh, it says, when a, when a wise man argues with a fool, the fool rages and laughs and there is no peace. Don't argue with a fool because he doesn't care what you have to say. He just wants to win. He'll yell, he'll scream. That's a very big tendency these days of fools who just want to win and they'll out-argue you through volume. That's a scoffer. Correcting a scoffer, again, one who doesn't care about what the Lord says, who knows what the Lord says and rejects it, or doesn't have any inkling of understanding the importance of God's word. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abused, but he who reproves a wicked man, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. He gets hurt. He will hurt you. Okay. Second phase, wise advice from Proverbs. Be wise, gain skills. Remember, wisdom is skill for living. Biblical wisdom is having skill for living. It's obvious when a person has skill for living. Just look at the various elements of that person's life. How do you gain it? Love the Lord, love his ways. Learn the Lord's ways, pursue the Lord's ways. If, you're, if, you're, if you consume media a lot, regardless of internet, movies, whatever it might be, you're being influenced by the world's ways of thinking and the world's wisdom, whether you're aware of it or not. And sometimes there's, uh, uh, the world is counting us on us not being aware of it. It infiltrates our hearts and minds. We have to fight against it by loving him and his ways and learning and then pursuing it so we don't act like and believe the world. Okay, let's go to the wise now. Here's the good stuff right here. The character of the wise. Doing wrong is like a joke to a fool, but wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. Proverbs 10, 23. He enjoys the ways of the Lord. He or she enjoys the ways of the Lord. They're not bitter to that person. They're not sour. They're not stupid. They're not ridiculous. They're wise. They're smart. They give you skill for living. The foolish person thinks they're ridiculous. 1 Corinthians 1 again. Wisdom is pleasure to a man of understanding. Here's another one. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. Proverbs 14, 15. The wise person does not believe everything he hears. He thinks before he acts. He thinks about what he's hearing. He puts the words through the grid of the scriptures as he best understands it and then acts upon it. 
He filters out what is wrong, and he acts upon what he knows to be true. He doesn't believe everything he hears, whether it's in the media or from the mouths of his friends or acquaintances, whatever it might be. He puts it through the grid of the scriptures, and he acts upon um, what he knows, and he thinks about it before he acts. If you faint in the day of adversary, your strength, adversity, your strength is small, Proverbs 24.10. Adversity reveals character. I just wrote that in there. It's not directly in the, in the Proverbs. I believe it's implicit in the Proverbs, however, and other wisdom literature in the Bible. Adversity reveals character. When trouble comes, he draws from a reservoir of strength. A reservoir, of course, as you all know, is a body of water that's gathered up and in reserve when trouble comes, and it will come, the wise person draws upon a reservoir of strength. And if you faint, if you give up when things are difficult, your strength is small. It doesn't have to be that way. The wise person fills a reservoir of strength for difficult days and then draws from it and can act wisely in adversity. Difficult seasons, painful times don't last forever. They are seasons. They last, they peak, and then they wane, and they're done. It's a flow, an ebb and flow of life. Another relationship proverb. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips, Proverbs 27, 2. A wise person is not self-focused or self-promoting. He doesn't think a lot of, he or she doesn't think, when I say he, I mean he or she, okay? Um, I'm just using my preferred pronoun. A wise person doesn't think a lot about himself in terms of his success and doesn't think highly of himself. He's self-aware and he knows what the Lord thinks and he's pursuing him. But he's not out there to present himself as anything glorious. A wise person knows that only the Lord is glorious and he or she is just a tool that the Lord might be using. But let other people praise you, not your own mouth. Don't be, a, don't be a person who praises yourself. Not your own lips, Proverbs 27, 2. He who mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished, Proverbs 17, 5. No schadenfreude. Is there a funny word there? Um, contempt? No, that's not it. Schadenfreude. I thought I'd throw some German in there just to, just to make sure you guys are awake. Anybody know what schadenfreude is? I didn't think so. I didn't either. I learned this word. It's joy in the pain of others. Joy in the pain of others. You, ever, you know anybody that is glad when other people are hurting? When other people fail? When, other, when, when you know, maybe uh, you've accomplished something and, and, um, or maybe somebody else has failed and, and some people are glad that they failed. The, the worldly uh, person might say, and sometimes a worldly person gets things right, uh, a worldly person, and you may have heard this, would say, don't tell many people your troubles uh, because some of them don't care and the others are glad. That's schadenfreude. Schadenfreude, excuse me. Joy in the pain of others. But the Lord doesn't like it. He who mocks the poor shows contempt for their maker. Whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished. Proverbs 17, 5. The Lord doesn't like it. You weep with those who weep and you rejoice with those who rejoice. That pleases him. That's his character. No schadenfreude. Don't take joy in the pain of others. Next time somebody demonstrates that behavior, you could say something like, oh, I see you're practicing schadenfreude. And then you'll impress the person and you can praise yourself for knowing the word, right? 
How about this one? He's judicious in his speech, in contrast to the person who just spills his guts all the time. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise, and when he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. If you don't know anything to say, it might be wise just to be quiet, because people will assume that you're, uh, you're pretty bright. I was in a meeting, I'm just reminded of this a few years ago, I was in a meeting at a bank with a, several people at church, and um, there was big money being talked about, loans and, you know, big financial terms. I had no idea what was going on, just to be frank about it. I, I'm not a financial expert by any means, um, and so I, I don't know banking terms and, and their high language about loans, and so I didn't say a word. And I remember the, the fancy guy at the bank was kind of looking at me and wondering if I was just a person who didn't know anything, really, or if a person who really knew a lot but just didn't decide to speak. See, I could see he was wondering, and then later one of the guys said, yeah, I could tell he was wondering if you really were smart or just not, you know, not saying anything because you didn't know anything. Well, that was by design. That's okay. That's good. It worked out. He's judicious in his speech. Restrain your words when it's important to do so. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel, Proverbs 27, 9. He is a friend who blesses. It's like oil and perfume when you're with this friend. It's like oil and perfume. That person fills you with benefit, like oils and perfumes. It smells good. You like to be there, and it's sweet to you, and it's earnest counsel in wisdom. It's not hard to be with that person. That's the kind of person you want as a friend. He blesses your life. Seek people like that. So enjoy the fruit of wisdom, skill for living. A wise man is full of strength, and a man of knowledge enhances his might, Proverbs 24, 5. You'll be spiritually strong. You will be spiritually strong as you follow the wise counsel of the Lord through his scriptures. You'll be full of strength, and you'll have knowledge, and you will enhance your might. It will grow as you follow him. You'll be able to more and more demonstrate your strength to this world, Proverbs 24, 5. Here's another one, another fruit. The wicked flees when no one pursues. Why? Well, because they're paranoid. They're scared of everything. Remember, they're, they're, they're dishonest. They're afraid, afraid of people. Uh, and so they, they end up fleeing when no one is pursuing them. But the righteous are as bold as a lion, Proverbs 28, 1. You will be confident because your confidence comes from him and your confidence comes from your relationship with him and has demonstrated faithfulness to you as you follow him. You'll be confident. You don't have to be afraid in this life. As you demonstrate biblical wisdom, skill for living, you'll be confident. You'll have hope for the future. Not despair. The fruit of wisdom. My son, eat honey for it is good. And the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Proverbs 24, 13, and 14. You will have hope for the future. Regardless of what comes, you'll know and recall and remember that the Lord loves you as his son or his daughter. And no matter what happens, you'll endure. The seasons will come and go, and you'll have a bright hope for the future based in the character of the Lord. You'll have peace of soul in him. In a long text, I, I wanted to include this, Proverbs 3, 21 to 26. Don't lose sight of these things. Don't lose sight of them. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul 
and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid, and when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or the ruin of the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Proverbs 3, 21 to 26. The principle is you'll have peace of soul in him. You will. It's a principle of life. Some days you might have trouble sleeping. I understand that. But as a principle of life, as you follow hard after him, this will be generally true in the Lord's economy, that you'll be able to sleep with peace, and it will be sweet to you. So the fruit of wisdom, you'll be spiritually strong. You'll be confident. You'll have hope for the future. You'll have peace of soul in him. And if you don't want that, you don't want a good thing, a lot of good things. That's the book of Proverbs. And any of you who know Christ can be wise. Biblical wisdom is skill for living. Apply it, seek it, pursue it, and it can be yours. doesn't matter how smart you are in the world's eyes. What matters is whether you are pursuing him and caring about what he cares about and following hard after Jesus. Let's pray together. We hope you've enjoyed this Vanguard Bible Church podcast. You can find more sermon messages online at vanguardbible.org. Have a great week, and we hope we'll see you soon.